welcome to our Father's Day service and I trust you've had a good day so far. Maybe you've had phone calls, maybe you've made phone calls, maybe you've given presents, maybe you've got presents on as we speak. And so um, what a great day it is. And one of the special things I love about Father's Day for me, it's a whole weekend. And so I've been blessed and looked after all weekend and I'm really looking forward to dinner because I get to choose what's for dinner tonight. And uh, I'll give you two guesses what it's going to be. In fact, I'll give you one guess. Let me hear it. One, two, three. Pizza. That's right. So we are having pizza and that's another reason why I love Father's Day. So, but you know, Father's Day isn't just about us. It's a great opportunity to remember and reflect and thank God for the fathers that, uh, that he's given us over our time. Not just fathers or dads, could be granddads and, or uncles, stepdads, guardians, a whole range of people that God inserts into our life to help father us and look after us. So what a great day to remember them and to think about them. And so today, regardless of whether if you're a mum or a dad or a father or a mother, I've said that, it means the same thing, or a um, child or a parent or a grandparent, I really believe today I've got something I'd like to share with you that can help you. And so it's amazing how much we are influenced by our fathers. And so um, things they've said or things they've done. So let's check this out. No matter how old we are, we always remember what our dads say and do. My dad's more like Jesus than your dad. Nuh-uh. My dad doesn't let anybody eat any food until we pray for it. My dad prays for one minute every day. You know what? Our church has pancakes. This is what my sister and mom use for their blush. My dad says that mean kids never know what they're talking about. Because their parents don't know what they're talking about either. My dad says to punch meanies in the face. Then my mom says, don't ever do that. And my dad goes to time out. <laughs> my dad's beard is itchy whenever he kisses me. My dad takes me to church so we could learn to be just like Jesus. My daddy prays for me. Then he makes me stop talking and go to bed. Then I get a flashlight and read my comic book. That's a sin. He's sinning. No, I'm not. Sinner. No, I'm not. R2. 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 My dad said that if you don't have anything nice to say, don't say it. My dad never stays mad at me. My dad taught me to forgive. Because Jesus forgives us every time we ask. I want a mohawk. I wish I had hair. It's okay. Your hair will probably grow back. Thanks for being our dads for all our lives. Hey, so I love this kid, guys. And uh, I want to say thank you to all the dads for all that you've done, all that you try to do, and all the mistakes and all the things you get wrong. We're all like that. And I would just, uh, I wanna acknowledge and thank you uh, for your efforts in loving your children. You know, for me, this is my 20th Father's Day. 
Now, for those who know, know maths, my son, Sam, he's, uh, he's 19, and so you're wondering, how did you score 20 Father's Days? And well, maybe you recall your first Father's Day when you might not have had a baby in your arm, but you got a card and you got a little squeal. Um, I reckon my wife did that, um, but it was a little happy Father's Day from the little baby to come. And so 20 Father's Day for me, and they've been fantastic. But, you know, while I know my kids love me, I also uh, know there have been times that I've disappointed them, I've let them down, I've said things I shouldn't have said, or I haven't said things I should have said. There's times I've, um, I've, I've made promises I couldn't keep, and I've disappointed them, frustrated them. I know there's times they've just wanted to pull their hair out, and uh, I know they love me, but I also know there's times because of my humanness, my brokenness, my insecurities, there's things that I do that can sometimes make it really difficult for my kids, my busyness, my responsibilities, all those things can quite easily come in the way of my parenting. And so, um, you know, you might be wondering, what, Mark, you're supposed to, you're a pastor, you should be the perfect dad. Well, right and wrong, yes, I'm a pastor, but I'm far from a perfect dad. And if you're really honest with yourself, you're, you're far from a perfect mother or a father, or you're far from a perfect child, you know the one I'm, you know who I'm talking to none of us are perfect none of our families are perfect and so um, as I look at the Bible and I look at fathers in the Bible I come to a, a great sense of relief because I discover something about the man and the women and the families in the Bible I discover that they also are a little bit like you and me and they're not perfect and so we're going to start at the beginning we're going to start looking at Adam that's if you got you can't go much further back to find the first father of, uh, of, of humanity, Adam. And so he had everything going for him. He was living in a perfect garden. He, I'm sure he had a perfect, perfect abs and perfect muscles. Uh, he, had a perfect, well, he had a perfect wife, almost. We'll learn about that in a second. Because she turns up with a piece of fruit in her hand and then everything changes. Now, look, we aren't given too much information about exactly the conversation that Adam and Eve, Eve Adam and Eve, that's funny. It's not really funny. Uh, we aren't given that much idea regarding the conversation that those two had at the beginning. You know, um, I'm not too sure if Adam said, Eve, hey, what's that, what's that fruit you got? And they didn't talk about it. But what we do know is what's recorded in Scripture. And so Genesis chapter 3, the last half of verse 6, we read, So she took some of the fruit and ate it. Then she gave some to her husband who was with her, and he ate it too. At that moment, their eyes were opened. They suddenly felt shame at their nakedness. So they sewed fig leaves together to cover themselves. Hey, there's a whole bunch of marriage issues going on right there. It seems to me that Adam didn't seem prepared to, to stand up to his wife. You know, he knew what was right. He was there when God said, don't do this. And it seems there was something going on in his ability to lead his wife into the things of God. Um, we also see, discover when... When they realize they've done the wrong thing, they discover they're naked and, and they're ashamed. And Adam goes and hides from God. The, the, instead of running to God to find grace and, 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 and say sorry, they hid from God out of shame. And then Adam, when confronted what he does, he then points the finger, doesn't point the finger at himself. He points the finger at you-know-who. You-know-who is the one to blame. It wasn't me. And so, um, you know... Then what happens is that uh, along comes two bouncing baby boys. And uh, maybe a little bit like Stuart and Jackie. Congratulations, you've now got two bouncing baby boys. 
But these two, Cain and Abel, were their names. And as they grew up, we discovered that Cain gets jealous of Abel, bit of sibling rivalry going on, and eventually Cain kills Abel. And so then when Cain is confronted by God, Cain does the same thing his dad did. He sort of points his finger and he goes, well, well didn't, didn't point a finger at himself. He said, well, why are you asking me? He, he pointed the finger away from his own responsibility. You know, <clears throat> we can't blame parents uh, for the actions of their children. But Adam is a little bit different. And so in Romans chapter 5, verse 17, we read, For the sin of this one man, Adam, caused death to rule over many, but even greater is God's wonderful grace and his gift of righteousness for all who receive it will live in triumph over sin and death through this one man, Jesus Christ. Yes, Adam's sin brings condemnation for everyone, but Christ's one act of righteousness brings a right relationship with God and new life for everyone. What an incredible couple of verses just there. What we see is that actions have consequences. Adam's actions brought death into the whole world. Ultimately, we know that's why Jesus came. And Jesus' actions also have consequence. His sacrifice on the cross, according to the scripture, his sacrifice on the cross gives us access to God's wonderful grace, his gift of righteousness, victory over sin and death, right relationship with God, and new life for everyone. Isn't that wonderful? And so here in these verses, we find so much hope. It doesn't matter who you are or what you've done. Maybe as, you, as we go through this uh, message today, you might connect and relate to a whole bunch of these different families and dads. Maybe when you look at the first family, you can connect to Adam or to Eve, or maybe you can connect to Cain or Abel. Maybe you feel that you failed as a wife or you've failed as a husband or a mum or a dad. Maybe you felt, feel that you haven't done good enough as a, as a child. You've been jealous of your brother or your sister. What I want to tell you is that Jesus made a way for you and me to be restored back into right relationship with God. What a great thing to learn as we look at the first family. They were far from perfect. And ultimately through Jesus coming, we have an opportunity to see that broken relationship restored. So that's Adam. Now we're going to go a few, few more chapters into Genesis and look at another famous dad. His name was Noah. And uh, his story is found in Genesis chapter 6. Or maybe you've seen the movie Evan Almighty. Not quite the same story, but it's, very, it's a good movie anyway. So Genesis chapter 6, verse 9 to 11. This is the account of Noah and his family. Noah was a righteous man, the only blameless person living on the earth at that time. And he walked in close fellowship with God. Noah was the father of three sons, Shem, Ham, and Japheth. Now God saw that the earth had become corrupt and was filled with violence. Noah gets a really good rap just here. He was a righteous man. In fact, it says that he was the only blameless person on earth. How would you go, you know, being married to Noah? That'd be tricky, wouldn't it? Because, you know, everything he does is right and you're wrong. Um, anyway, we're getting distracted. So Noah gets a really good rap. He was chosen by God to build an ark that would save humanity. He was a hard worker. He was patient. It took him probably 50, 60, 70 years to build the ark. And I'm sure he enlisted the help of his three sons and their wives. And um, he showed them what it's like to be faithful and committed to work and trusting God, even when 
It looked like they were just wasting time. They were just building something for something that was yet to come. And so Noah does get a great rap as a, as a dad, as a, as, a, as a leader, as someone who's righteous and blameless. But, you know, there is a lesser story of Noah that you might not have paid attention to because it shows us that Noah, for all his blamelessness, blamelessness was far from perfect. In chapter 9, verse 20, we read, After the flood, Noah began to cultivate the ground and he planted a vineyard. Nothing wrong with that. One day he drank some wine he had made and he became drunk and lay naked inside his tent. Hmm. Ham, the father of Canaan, saw that his father was naked and went outside and told his brothers. Now this is just a weird family thing going on right now. Firstly, look at Noah. He invented alcohol. So and that's gone really well for the world, hasn't it? So he invented alcohol and then Noah was also the first drunk in human history. And so he gets drunk, he, for whatever happens, he lays naked in his, in his tent and uh, his kids walk in and that's a little bit awkward if you ask me. And so we've talked about Adam, we've talked about Noah, both, both of those men, far from perfect. Let's go to some of our more well-known Jewish fathers. So if you ask a, a Jewish person who are the three fathers of the nation, they'd go, well, that's easier. That's, that's Abraham, Isaac and Jacob. And so uh, each of them had some issues. Abraham. Now, I don't want to take away from the fact that Abraham is called the father of faith. And as you read through the New Testament, Abraham truly was a, a man who believed in God and God counted that to him as righteous. But also, Abraham had some issues. We discover that he was impatient. He couldn't wait for God to give him the son that he promised. Um, and so he took it into his own hands. He sort of uh, had a child with uh, Hagar, Sarah's maid, and Ishmael was born. And so after Ishmael was born and grew up a bit, Abraham being the good dad that he was, well, he effectively abandoned Ishmael and abandoned his mum. And so uh, he also lied to the Pharaoh about Sarah being his sister. Now that is really weird because then, well, you can work out how weird that is. So Abraham had quite a lot of weaknesses but I still see that God chose him and used him. So that's Abraham. Now, how about Abraham's son, Isaac? Now, Isaac was the one uh, that, that Abraham took and, and almost killed. Well, there's another good thing about Abraham, you know, that he almost killed his son. But, um, but Isaac had seen his dad's faith. And he discovered firsthand, because he was laying on the altar, and, and he discovered that God is the God who provides, Jehovah Jireh. And uh, the ram was provided and Isaac wasn't killed, which is good news for Isaac and good news for Abraham. Also, Isaac discovered the power of prayer. They, he discovered uh, about praying for a wife and he was given a wife. And yet Isaac, like his dad before him, also lied about his wife being his sister. And it wouldn't work for me. I couldn't quite say that Ali was my sister because that's just, it's not going to work in our color scheme. But for you, it might work. Either way, just don't do it. And so Isaac had two sons, Jacob and Esau, and uh, those that he gave favoritism of Esau, and it caused a family rift. And so Abraham, Isaac, let's go to Jacob. Now, Jacob was the one who deceived his brother. He stole his brother's inheritance from his dad, and uh, he also had 12 sons. Jacob was the father of Israel and the 12 tribes of Israel. That's fantastic. He wrestled with God. Some amazing things that Jacob is, is accounted for. But also we see that Jacob, he, fa he favored 
his youngest son, Joseph. And that caused all sorts of trouble in the family. And so, you know, there's so many characters in the Bible. We could go to Moses. Moses was a great deliverer of the nation of Israel. He was a miracle worker. The Bible tells us that God met with Moses like a, a, a friend would sit with a friend. And Moses was also, his, also a dad. Uh, he had two children. And we don't hear too much about those children at all in the scriptures. Jewish tradition would tell us, though, that they did not follow the law and they were not qualified to take any leadership position in the nation. As far as, as you look at parents and children, it would seem that Moses did a bad job of raising his kids. Let's go to one more. King David. Here's a good one. You know, he was the greatest king in Israel. He was the greatest military leader and champion. He was the, the giant slayer. He was the psalm writer. He was the worship leader. Now, now David, well, he decided to sleep with Bathsheba and uh, she got pregnant. And then to cover up that mess, I know, I know you know the story, to cover up the mess, he goes ahead and murders Bathsheba's husband. And that, that in the end, the baby that was born ended up dying. Uh, we discover that, that David wasn't there for his kids. He had a lot of kids, but he was an absent dad. He was not there to discipline or to raise all his kids in the right ways. And it led to immense trouble in his family line. And uh, he, was far, he was far from perfect as a husband, as a dad, as a king. And yet, in spite of all of that, let's look at how he was remembered in Scripture. In Acts chapter 13, verse 22, it says this, that, But God removed Saul and replaced him with David, a man about whom God said, This is God said, I have found David, son of Jesse, a man after my own heart. He will do everything I want him to do. See, David messed up big time, but he did not point the finger like Adam did at his wife. He did not point the finger at, at someone else. He took full responsibility for the mess that he'd made. He turned to God and asked for God's forgiveness. David did all he could to make things right. Now, David was not remembered for his mistakes, but David is remembered for his heart. And that's so encouraging. You know, God doesn't remember us for our mistakes and failures because hands up if you've made mistakes or failures, I'd expect all of your hands to be up. And some of your hands should be up twice and all your feet. Um, well, you only have two feet. So anyway, God doesn't remember us for our mistakes and failures. But God wants us to align our hearts. God's looking for a man like David, a woman who would have a heart after God or a child or a grandfather or a auntie or an uncle. God is looking for a people with a, who will align their heart with his heart, that we would love what he loves, that we would value what he values, that we would prioritize what he prioritizes. And uh, God wants our actions to line up with his plans. So I want to ask you a question. How are you going with that? How are you going, uh, going with valuing what God values, loving what God loves, uh, prioritizing what God prioritizes? You know, I certainly need to keep adjusting, like getting a wheel alignment on my car, adjusting my actions, adjusting my attitudes, adjusting my affections. And I'm so glad that I don't need to do it by myself, that God, through his Holy Spirit, gives me the power on the inside to bring change, to transform us, to renew us and change us in, into who he's called us to be. You know, I reckon I certainly need to learn to surrender a little bit more to that little prompting of the Holy Spirit that is reminding me 
of who God has called me to be and adjusting my thinking and attitude and actions to align with God well, what God wants for me. And so as I read these stories, it gives me great hope. It gives me great hope as a dad. It gives me great hope as a husband. I'm sure it should, it should give us great hope as, as kids, as, as mums, as friends, as grandparents, you know, because God is not looking for the perfect dad. God is not looking for the perfect mum or the perfect child or the perfect sister or the perfect daughter or the perfect friend. God's not looking for the perfect family, the perfect marriage or the, per- or the perfect single people. God is looking for a people with a heart after his because God's plan for you and me is that he can show the world his goodness in us. Ephesians chapter 2 verse 7 tells us this. So God can point to us in all future ages as examples of the incredible wealth of his grace and kindness toward us as shown in all he has done for us who are, un- who are united with Christ Jesus. I read that again. So God wants to, he wants to point to us in all future generations. In the same way that God is pointed to Adam and pointed to David and pointed to Noah and pointed to Abraham, Isaac and Jacob and all the the, the characters in the Bible, God can point to them as an example of his goodness and his kindness. And God wants to do that for you. We don't need to be perfect, you know, but God wants to show the world his goodness and kindness in us and his goodness and kindness toward them through us. And so these men and these families we've looked at today, they're far from perfect. But through their imperfection, we have seen the importance of faith and obedience. You know, they might have been imperfect, but they were faithful to God and they were obedient. They knew what God was asking them to do. And they, they left homes and families and they, and they obeyed God. We also learned that it's important to teach our kids. It's important to teach them God's ways. Important to teach them God's heart. Important to teach them God's God's words and God's uh, character and God's goodness. We also see with these these uh, families and men the importance of prayer. It's important that we show our kids that our faith is real. It's not just something we do on Sundays. In fact, with this whole COVID thing, it, we can't even talk about going to church on Sundays because sometimes we don't even do that. And I don't say that to judge anyone. I'm just identifying our kids are looking at us. They're looking at you and me, mum or dad, whoever you are, your children or the children around you are looking at you at the example you set of how you stay faithful and committed to God in times of disconnection and disruption. So today on Father's Day, let's not focus on our own goodness because you know what? We're not going to go very well with that. Let's not, let, let's not try to focus on how good we are because we are imperfect. Let's not even try to focus on our father's goodness, you know, your, your dad's goodness, because I know you love them. But you know what? I'm sure they were imperfect. And I'm sure many of them have, have uh, hurt or, or disappointed you also. Let's not focus on our own goodness. Let's not focus on our father's goodness. Rather, let's look at our heavenly father. Let's look at how good our heavenly father is. Let's look at how good Jesus is. Let's look at how good and loving and kind and patient and forgiving that God has been, our Father has been to us. And as we look at that, we can learn to be kind and loving and patient and forgiving to others. With His help, we can reflect His goodness into others. And so 
Father's Day. What a great day to celebrate. What a great day to remember. But what a great day to understand that without God's help, we are, we are going to, we're going to miss out on being the best. We're going to miss out on the ability to really point and raise our children or our grandchildren or those around us. We, want, we don't want them to look at us. We want them to look at Jesus. And so, yes, I know we're imperfect. I know we've got all sorts of troubles, all sorts of problems. We're all like that. Mums and dads, boys and girls, we're all imperfect. But God's not looking for perfect people. He wants you and me to trust him and allow him to transform us and uh, to renew us and restore us so that we can be what he wants us to be in the places he sends us. So let's pray. Father God, we come to you this day just so grateful that, that you are our Heavenly Father. So grateful for the fathers you've given us. And I know many of them have been imperfect. I know all, all our fathers have had challenges and, and there's things that have let us down and a whole range of things that our fathers have, have done. But Lord, you, you gave them to us. And I thank you for them. I thank you for, for those fathers of faith that have loved us and have showed us the, your ways and your word. And Lord, I just pray for our church family today. I pray for all the mums and the dads. I pray that, that uh, each one would be encouraged by the fact that Scripture shows us that we don't need to be perfect. Lord, I thank you that we, we see in Scripture the importance, not of perfection, but we see the importance of aligning our heart to your heart. And so, Father, I ask that you'll help us to be the best dads. Help us to be the best mums and grandparents. Help us to be the best children and brothers and sisters we can be. And Lord, help us in this time to comfort those maybe who Father's Day is difficult. Maybe they have grief or disappointment or hurt and, there's, and their heart is just broken at this time. Holy Spirit, I pray that you would reveal your goodness and your kindness, the richness of your goodness and kindness to them. And Father, I thank you that, that you are a God who watches over us. You are a Father who watches over us. You're a father who cares for us. You're a father who provides for us. You're a provider that forgives us. You're a, you're a father that um, will always be there for us. You'll never abandon us. And I thank you that we can always come to you as your children. We can cry out to you as dad, as our father in heaven. And we can come into your presence at any time and receive your grace and your mercy and enjoy just being your children. Lord, help us to to experience you in a greater way like a father. And I pray that you help us as a church community to show others that there is a father in heaven who loves them, who sent his only son to die for them, that they would find hope, forgiveness and joy in Jesus. And we thank you for this special day in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, enjoy the rest of your day. Don't eat all your, cho don't eat all your chocolate. And uh, we look forward to seeing you in the next few weeks. God bless.